You are listening to Hellcat's Hope, episode number four. Welcome to Hellcat's Hope, the podcast to find humor, healing, and hope. Come along with Hellcat as she explores ways to help you overcome adversity and find your own inner Hellcat. Yes, Hellcat is her legal middle name, and hope is her game, bringing hope to others by showing what's possible. Here's your host, law school grad, motivational speaker, author, and certified life and smoking cessation coach, Lori Hellcat Bamford. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for listening today. This is Hellcat of Hellcat's Hope, the podcast, where hopefully you will find some humor, healing, and hope. My mission is to love, learn, and be a passionate advocate for fairness and hope. And so I made this podcast for people who are looking for hope and to see what's possible in their lives, in their relationships, in their businesses and communities. In each episode, I hope to share personal stories and practical takeaways to motivate and inspire you to find your own inner Hellcat in your day-to-day lives. So today's episode is a little bit different. I do hope it provides a little bit of humor, but really, I have some selfish reasons here. You see, today's episode is called My Baby Has a Beard, The Journey to Goodbye. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like something from the Lifetime Movie Network, but bear with me. The soon-to-be half-empty nest. That's what I want to talk about today. If you've listened to the prior episodes, you know that I am married. I have two kids, a son and a daughter. My son Aaron is 18. My daughter Sarah is 14. And this one is about my son, my firstborn Aaron. Now, Sarah, if you're listening, don't worry. I promise to have one or two or more episodes about you as well. But today, I want to share some insights with you that I've had during the last 18 months, this part of life that is emptying the nest, in hopes that maybe some of you out there who are listening, you've been down this road before and you can share your insights with me. Or maybe you're on this road right now. And the time is now. It's here. I I can't believe it some days. Aaron reports August 5th to Fort Hayes State University in Fort Hayes, Kansas, 499 miles away. But who's counting? You see, it was February 19th, 2002. I had just turned 32 years old, two days prior, and I arrived at what I thought was a routine 40-week checkup. The doctor listened and listened to my son's heartbeat as I began to have some very easy, minor contractions that I had been having for a few days. But what was really going on were some decelerations in my son's heartbeat every time I contracted. My doctor said, yep, we're admitting you. Looks like you're having a baby today. You see, my son Aaron had simply run out of room in there. Though I was at 40 weeks, he was measuring with a 44-week head. Yes, that's two weeks beyond a usual gestation period. He definitely had the Burt head. Yes, we all have very large heads. And I will tell you, when kids used to make fun of me and I would come home crying and I'd say, Mom, they were making fun of my head. They told me it was so it was too big. And she would say, it's just because you have big brains. So it looks like my son was going to have the big brains too. And he was a big baby. And it was just time for him to make his appearance in the best interest of both of our well-beings. And you know, I was ready, or so I thought I was. 
I had attended every single class, watched every single video, read every single book on what to expect. What to expect when expecting. What to expect at the hospital. What to expect during labor. All of it. Now, one of my very dear lifelong friends, Samantha, also known as Blisters, that's a story for another day. She is a nurse and now a midwife. She had called me just a few days prior and asked if I was worried about childbirth at all. My response was so me. Oh, oh, it's going to be fine. Yeah, I've got my plan ready. I've got the birthing plan ready. I have the music picked out. I have a focal point. I printed off um, his sonogram picture and put it in a frame. Yeah, I'm totally ready. It's going to be fine. People have babies every day. That's what I said. Yeah. So I was admitted and the calls began to find Aaron's dad, who was in court, also a lawyer. I think he was relieved to get pulled out of the hearing and was on his way. Family and friends were called and they were en route. We were having a baby, our first baby. You know what they say about best laid plans. I was laboring for a bit and it was manageable at first. I was breathing. It was okay. I was planning for a natural delivery. Then they started the Pitocin. Then my water broke. Then all bets were off. That's it. Nope, I'm done. I lasted maybe 30 minutes of contractions. And it was one after another. And the best way I know to describe it is I felt like somebody stuck a knife in my gut, twisted it, and then they would untwist it slowly, only to start the twisting up again as soon as it was over. That's it. I'm done. I have never felt more in love with a complete stranger in that moment than I was with that anesthesiologist who gave me an epidural. Then it seemed to be smooth sailing, but Aaron wasn't budging and the decelerations in his heart rate were getting more and more concerning. So after nine hours of trying, my doctor walked in and said she couldn't take watching it anymore from the nurse's station and he needed to come out right then. And my friend Samantha was relieved because she had been over there to the side chomping on ice for a good two hours. So after nine hours of trying, my doctor said enough is enough. I was very disappointed and scared, but you do what you got to do. So they whisked me off to the operating room and Aaron was delivered safely via C-section, weighing at 10 pounds, 11 ounces, and 22 and a half inches long. They had to put me to sleep shortly thereafter because I was starting to have trouble breathing. But right before they put the mask on me that was going to put me to sleep, I was trying to look over and I could hear him crying and I said, wait, wait, what are his APGAR scores? Because I am a nerd and I had studied and I wanted to know what his APGAR scores were on a scale of 1 to 10. It determines the health of the baby. And some nurse proclaimed 12 and I was out. He was the biggest baby in the nursery. People would stare and point and ask questions. And God bless his pediatrician, Dr. Stecklow. Well, bless him for several reasons. One is, I was probably the most neurotic first-time mom in the history of the world. 18 years later to this day, I have his office number memorized. It's not in my contacts. I have it memorized from when Aaron was a baby and I would call about every single little thing. My friend Samantha can attest, one day I was very distraught because, well, Aaron was pulling at his hair. He was just maybe six weeks old and there he was lying on the ottoman and pulling at his hair. And I looked it up in one of my books and, and it said it could be a sign that he was stressed. So I called my friend Samantha and I'm like, oh, I think something's really wrong. He's pulling his hair. She said, well, maybe he just found his hair. And I'm pretty sure I called Dr. Stecklow and asked if that was a problem. 
He really was the most patient pediatrician, I think, in the history of the world. There was one time when we were waiting for a spot to open up at St. Luke's, one of the best places to have your child in daycare. And I had to have Aaron at a home daycare. And this woman, she seemed fine. I checked out the place. It had good reviews. Well, one day I went to pick up Aaron and she said, listen, his head, I, I think you should be concerned. I, have you ever heard of craniosynthetosis? Oh my gosh. I could not go research it fast enough. I, within 20 minutes, had convinced myself that Aaron had craniosynthetosis. I tried to call Dr. Steckler's office. I said, meet me down at the hospital. I was a wreck. <laughs> Turns out he just has a big head that was a little misshapen. That's it. So, Dr. Steckel, if you're listening to this, thank you for not firing me as a client. Thank you for sticking with us for the last 18 years. So let's go back. He was the biggest baby in the nursery. People were staring, pointing, and asking questions. And Dr. Steklow, his pediatrician, who at that time looked about 12 years old, he would take each baby and hold them up to the light as he examined them. It looked really cool. But with Aaron, he needed both hands. Housekeeping even stopped in. I hear a knock, knock, knock on the door. May we come in and see the big baby? We hear there's a big baby here. Yes, come on in. Oh my. After a few days, we went home. With instructions not to lift anything over 10 pounds, I looked at my doctor rather puzzled and she said, well, except the baby, of course. I would like to say that time has passed by in the blink of an eye, but that's not really true. I hear people say all the time, it sure goes by fast. Make sure you enjoy every second of it. And I know there were sometimes I thought something was wrong with me because I was not enjoying every second of it. Aaron was a tough baby. He cried a lot and he made me cry a lot. And so if you're ever given that advice, any young parents out there to just enjoy every minute of it, it's okay if you don't. It seems as if he was six, seven, eight forever. And then the years 12 to 14, I'd rather never, ever see those years again. I remember taking the Total Transformation Parenting course. I had seen it online and it really did help. It got us through those years. I do remember when it showed up in the mail though and I had it sitting on the table and Sarah was walking by and she caught a glimpse of it. And I don't know what the marketing materials were for that, but she stopped and she said, are you putting us up for adoption? So that program really helped me parent a young boy who had tons of passion and zest and aggression and emotions that maybe he didn't know what to do with. Now it turns out that passion and that aggression turned out to help him succeed on the football field. And we eventually learned where that balance was. I don't really feel like the time started flying by really fast until about the last 18 months. Today, he's 18 years old. I'm 50. Our birthdays are two days apart. He's my son, my firstborn. He stands about six foot three, 290 pounds, and he can squat 500 pounds. And he's going to play center and guard at Fort Hay State University in the fall. In just a month, he's going to be on his way. So it was about 18 months ago, I began to really see this day approaching with more haste. His junior year was busy with college visits and football offers and playing football for the Deer Creek Antlers. It truly was one of the best years of my life. 
he had a great senior year. He received many awards and distinctions as All-District Offensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year for the team, All-Conference, and All-State designations. Aaron had several visits from many college and football programs throughout his junior and senior year and received scholarship offers to play football from many NCAA Division II schools. East Central in Ada, Oklahoma, Southwestern State University in Weatherford, Oklahoma, Northeastern in Miami, Pittsburgh State in Kansas, Northeastern Oklahoma in Tahlequah, and of course, Fort Hay State University in Kansas. After visiting the campuses and meeting the coaches and discussing the options with his high school football coaches, with families and friends, it became clear the best choice was Fort Hay State University. He signed his letter of intent in February to play scholarship football at FHSU. It was just last March 2019 that I was sitting in my living room one Saturday morning when a picture came through via text from my friend Aaron. There they were, the boys devouring Aaron's famous homemade cinnamon rolls. I've watched these young men grow up. I was drawn to each of them individually in the picture and then as a group, as a team. I even loved the artwork on Erin's wall and made a mental note to ask her later where she got those beautiful pieces, come to find out her very talented daughter. And then I looked again, this time at my son, Aaron, sitting there in his Deer Creek football sweatshirt, his bed head, that grin, the one that typically appears when he's having really good food. And then I said out loud, my baby has a beard. My baby has a beard. I, I saved the photo. I shared it with my siblings text group. Between the 11 of us, we have over 25 nieces and nephews, I think. I've lost count. But we've watched each other and our children grow up. I shared the photo with Aaron's godmamas. And then I just sat there and stared at it. My baby had a beard. A full beard. Then and there I decided I was going to really have to process these next several months. And so I began to write about it. I wanted to chronicle every bit of it. I wanted a place where I could express and explore the issues or worries or emotions that play into this transition. I took another look at that picture and I began to see so much more. It is really true what they say that a picture is worth a thousand words. As I looked at that picture, I see representations of our community and young men that we consider part of our family. With the moms and dads of these young men and many others not pictured, we've raised our sons together through the game of football and truly through the game of life. Aaron has played with many of his teammates since he was six years old. These moms and dads, we all bonded through practices and games, camps, parent meetings, fundraisers, booster clubs, more practices, travel, carpools. The list could go on ad nauseum, the root of which is nausea. The sensation when you get a whiff of the boys' post-practices and games. Yeah. We've fed each other's kids. We've made sure they were safe. We've given them a place to lay their head. And we watched out for each of them the best we could. And together we've questioned and worried and pondered many times, how are we going to get these boys raised? And just like that, it's happening. These boys, they're now young men. We think we know what the future holds, but how can any of us really be sure? 
What I am sure of is this is a closing chapter. This is a pivotal moment in life, a time when my baby, my firstborn, my son, will venture off to begin his new life and realize his own dreams. And these are his dreams, not ours. And there's so much joy in all of it, as well as hope, worry, and celebration. There doesn't seem to be a lot of resources out there to help moms and dads maneuver this part of life, these thoughts and these feelings. So that's why I come to you today. What have you got? I would love your input. So fast forward from last March to last summer. All summer long, I had been trying to get Aaron to go out of town with us, with the family, to a family reunion, to just get away to Texas for the weekend, go visit his godmamas, but to no avail. He wanted to stay in town. Deer Creek football had workouts all summer, and though not required, Aaron never missed one. His hard work culminated into achieving the goal of squatting 500 pounds. Yet there were some weekends and trips he could have joined us without missing a workout, but he wanted to stay back with his friends. I have to admit it bothered me a little because all I could really selfishly think was, this is my last real summer with my son. But when I looked at the bigger picture, looked outside of myself, I understood better. This is his last summer too. This is his last summer to hang out with his buddies, to scream at some video game that apparently stirs so much anger and passion in him. I've had to call or text him several times to take some deep breaths and calm down. This is his last summer, not really knowing which paths each of his buddies may take. I can tell you in just the last month, I've watched so many of his friends who I consider kind of my sons. I've watched them venture off to pledge and to rush at their respective universities. Their last summer to raise a little hell together and talk about their futures has passed. Yes, I am an occasional eavesdropper because that's my job. And the love and joy these young men have together has brought me such joy and love in return. Now, I will complain like all good Catholic martyrs do, but I have enjoyed every meal, every dirty dish, every late night, or in some cases early morning, every snack, every loud noise, every lost dish, bowl, fork, and spoon, every loud laugh, every loud thump, every hodgepodge parked truck in my driveway or street, and every shoe I've tripped over at the bottom of the stairs leading up to their domain. I will miss every single bit of it and every single one of these boys. So while I secretly yearn for just a little one-on-one time with my son, I'll gladly trade it for all these moments for him. Now don't worry, I occasionally have him held hostage in front of a plate of shrimp fajitas, egg sandwiches, fried chicken, and potato salad, where he has no option other than to talk to me in between his bites. So I'll take those moments too. This time last year, my Facebook feed was full of story after story as I watched moms and dads move their kids into college. With every post and every picture, last year I I would get kind of a quick ping in my heart and gut and then it would be gone because it wasn't my turn yet. It was the same ping in my heart and gut that I noticed as we were getting yearbook photos taken last summer. I was surprised that I wasn't emotional at all during that session. It was fun, lighthearted. It kind of felt like we were playing some sort of game of dress up, like the time he and his godmama got married, her in an old bridesmaid dress of mine, and him in his JJ the Jet Plane pajamas. I felt nothing but joy and pride in those moments, but it wasn't my turn yet, so it was okay. A day or so passed and I received the proofs in the mail. 
ping. This time the ping lingered a little longer. There he was, cap and gown. It seemed a little more real and a little less like playing dress up. With COVID-19, his graduation was canceled, but it has been moved as of now to August 1st. So I'm so glad that the district was able to make that happen. And since I was elected to the school board, I will have the honor of handing Aaron his diploma. It just seems like time is passing pretty quickly now. And we've experienced many last first. His last first football practice. His last first game of the season. And you know, I never was one to go to the football practices. It just wasn't my thing. But his dad went to every single one of them. But I did make sure that I made that last first football practice. As I began to write and process these last 18 months, I had the honor of interviewing my sister Beth, number five, in the lineup. You see, her son was heading off to join the Marine Corps this time last year. And now he's doing so well. He's been stationed in Hawaii and now currently in Japan, serving our country. And we are so proud of him. But I wanted to interview my sister about what it was like when your son doesn't want to go to college, but is making that huge sacrifice and decision to serve our country. And there were some lessons that she learned that I think can apply to all of us as we maneuver this empty nest period. Number one, be patient. It's okay if your kid doesn't know what he or she wants to do right now. They don't have to figure it all out right now today. They have their entire lives ahead of them and rushing into one decision or another serves no one. Your dreams may not be your child's dreams. Your job is to be supportive while they figure it out. Don't push them down your path. Your role is to provide guidance and give advice and to love and support them unconditionally. Number two, step back. Let them figure it out. Let them make their own path. Let them manage their emotions with your support and guidance. Let them maneuver the curveballs that life will throw them. It's not a matter of if life will throw them. Life will throw them. Show confidence in them and they will have confidence in their choices. Number three, drop the compare and despair. Stop comparing your child's journey to every other journey your friend's children may be taking. The path you or your child chooses is not better than any other path or journey. Thinking in terms of compare and despair serves neither you nor your young adult. It takes all spice for all walks of life. Embrace it all. Number four, talents and dreams are fluid. Never forget that the talents and dreams your child may have are fluid, meaning they can be applied and pursued just about anywhere. I have no doubt that my nephew will be able to use his athletic and leadership abilities to not only be a strong soldier, but an incredible leader in whatever path this choice takes him. And lastly, spend time together. As my nephew's shipment date drew nearer, Beth's advice at this juncture was just to spend time together doing what each of you love. Celebrate and embrace all the emotions, joy, pride, worry, fear, and love, especially that last one. So these are the lessons that I've tried to remember myself, and that's what we've been doing. We've just been spending as much time as we can together in getting ready. And that's what I've really tried to do. I've tried to set aside whatever sadness I may be feeling in the moment and remember that I can help him get ready right now. I can help take care of him. You know, at first I would have these visions of him going off to college and no one would take care of him and he was going to go hungry. And I just pictured him in those little overalls he used to wear when he was three years old and sitting on a dorm bed without any sheets and he's all alone and his little legs are dangling and can't even touch the floor. Yes, that's the story that was running through my head. 
And I had to check myself because when I thought of it that way, when I thought nobody's going to be able to take care of him like I can, it made me feel helpless. And you'll recall in the last episode, we talked about the think, feel, act cycle. Well, when I would think that he was not going to be taken care of, that created a feeling of helplessness in me. Because if if he wasn't going to be taken care of, there's nothing I could do about it. And I felt helpless. Well, when I felt helpless, it was driving my actions just not to do anything. Because if you think about it, when you feel helpless, what do you do? Nothing. And I thought, that's not the end result that I want. I want to think about my son going off to college. And I want to generate a thought that is going to lead me to action and not helplessness. And so instead, I started thinking, He's going to be taken care of just fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to be taken care of. And when I thought that, it gave me a feeling of peace and of capability. And when I felt that, that would drive my actions to do what I've been doing, which is help him pick out things for his room, help him make his schedule, share my stories of going off to college. And I didn't even have a dorm room for four weeks. (laughs) So that's how we've been spending our time and getting ready and talking about the future. And it's much better than the alternative. Some days it's okay. Some days when I think about driving him up to Kansas and leaving, I think, yeah, it's time for him to go. (laughs) But then some days I am a little sad. But I know he's not going to go hungry. By the way, his cafeteria is in the basement of his dorm. And he's a lineman. I think they're going to keep him fed. He doesn't wear overalls anymore. His feet can clearly touch the floor from his bedside, and he will be surrounded by lots of new friends and experiences. I keep asking all his friends that come by if they would please stop by when they're in town so Mama Hellcat can hug their little, well, not so little necks anymore and make them some fried chicken. They've assured me they'll be back, and I'm going to hold them to it. I'm going to miss tripping over their shoes at the bottom of the stairs or telling them to hold it down while they scream at some video game that I don't understand. I'm going to miss seeing them file down the stairs to my homemade breakfast of biscuits and gravy. And I think they're going to miss that too. So I ask for your help. Those who have already been through this, what are your best words of advice? How can I balance letting him have his freedom to wanting to hear how he is and what's going on and that he's okay? Share with me at the Facebook page, Hellcat's Hope. Or email me, hellcat at whatthehellcat.com, and I'll share some of that on the air. Also, if there's a topic you'd like to know more about or talk about, drop me a message, and we'll see if we can get it worked into an episode as well. Until then, in hope and gratitude, see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Hellcat's Hope. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. To book me as a speaker for your next event, work one-on-one as a coach, or find more information on my upcoming book, please go to whatthehellcat.com. Thanks for listening.